Brian Finnamore is from Plumline Ministries. And, and Brian, we're actually going to take up an offering after your teaching uh, as we gather. So I'll come up and then we'll take up an offering for you then. Is that okay? All right, so give you guys more time to prepare that we're going to sow into Brian's ministry. Um, but he's going to teach on, he's going to, we're going to continue on blessing and curses. So I just want to get you right up and let's just, let's go for it. Is that good? All right, good. So let's pray for Brian. Lord, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you for his ministry to this house, to this region. And Lord, right now as he uh, opens his mouth, we just ask you to fill it. And we ask you to give us ears to hear what you are saying to us through your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, sounds good. It's good to be with you. Please grab your Bibles. Go with me to First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, verse twenty-two. As you are turning there, um, a little announcement. I uh, one of the things that scares me the most about being a minister is all the announcements that ministers have to make sometimes. So I'm going to be quick. Tomorrow night I will be in the chapel. If you've, ever, if you've never had training on prayer or how to become a prayer warrior, uh, we've just started this literally last month. And so we'd encourage you to come and join us. And these are things like how do you actually develop a prayer life? How do you pray the promises of God? How do you pray for unsaved family members? Those kind of things. Most people just do petition. We're going to teach all the different languages of prayer. If you've never had a chance to be trained in this or, hey... <laughs> <laughs> and the light, and the light came on. And uh, you'd like to have this opportunity. We not only teach on it, uh, we also practice it and do it as a group. So just assume that none of us know anything and we're all just learning the foundation of prayer. Come and join us tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in the chapel. All right, with that, uh, we are still working on blessing. I'm going to cover specifically how obedience contains the blessing of God. Obedience contains the blessing of God. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 22, let's go ahead and listen and read the scripture. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just take the words here in the passage and start working with them through you and why this concept is actually given to us. Now, first thing I want to introduce is I'm going to, we're going to look at the word obedience, but before I give you the, like, we call the definition of it, please understand that when most people look at obedience, they usually go back to the law and think this is what God is wanting for obedience. Um, the, so, you know, I don't think we ought to go around breaking the law, but it, that's not what it's pointing to here. The word obedience in the original language means response to what someone is speaking to you. Response to what someone is speaking to you. So both uh, the, when it, and so it's talking actually about the voice of the Lord. Now, let me give you a reference of how Jesus modeled this. You can look or trust me to read the scripture to you. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is describing how he lived in obedience. Okay? And he talked about mankind. Now remember, the, this is the temptation of Jesus. And Satan is now telling Jesus, if you're the son of God, command the stones to turn into bread. And so Jesus is addressing this challenge, and he says this, and he said to him, it is written, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what is obedience? Obedience isn't I study the law and then I try to perfect it. We're not going back to the law. We're actually believing that as New Testament believers that Jesus is actually communicating with us. And so we live by his word being given to us. We respond and we put ourselves in the position to do the things he says. Now you guys would see this from scripture. Think about this with me. We come to you all the time and we say, now make sure you read the Bible. Read the Bible. Give your time to the scripture, right? Which is actually important. But if I'm reading the Bible and I'm hearing the information, but I'm not trying to put it into practice, what happens is I become this thing that the scripture talks about. Uh, It picks it up in the, uh, the epistle of James where it talks about people that are assenting to truth. And what that means is, is they're saying, yeah, that's truth but they don't change anything they do in their life in regards to that. God didn't want us to be people that just hear the word and go, wow, isn't that powerful? He's believing that this word that he's given us, we should now change how we think, how we relate to each other, and how we should live. Now remember, the big picture here, we're talking about, well, what is the blessing of God? So as I begin to give myself to this process, I am now putting myself in a continual flow of the blessing of God in my life. Now think about the blessing of God like this. It's like a river. If you put yourself in proximity to the river, it's going to continually flow through your life. If you back away from it, or if you throw rocks in it, it it shuts it down. So we're now asking a question, so to keep the river flowing of the blessing of God, how do I do that? How do I create that in my own life? I jump into the river of responding and being obedient to God's word in my life. The next thing we want to say, and look, it says, since you have obedience in the truth. Now, I, if you look at this casually, you think he's saying, as, you've read, as you read the scripture, as you're obedient to the truth. You have to look farther up in the passage and realize that here in 1 Peter, in chapter 1 specifically, he's saying the truth here, the word truth that's being used here, is the word for Jesus. So it's actually saying as you're being obedient to Jesus himself, your soul is being purified. Now, this is interesting. The word truth here doesn't just mean a statement of faith or a statement of truth. It means to be a partaker of faith. That's what the word truth is being used in the original language here. So how do I become a partaker of faith? Well, the Bible's pretty straightforward to tell you that faith only comes one way in Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, literally God speaking to you. So it's now telling us, as you're obeying God's words coming to you, there's a purifying that goes on in your soul. So let's take the word purify. Now, if you spend some time in the Old Testament, how many of you have ever read Leviticus and walked away from it and go, now why do they have to sacrifice all these animals and what is all this about? I mean, how many of you have read it and thought, wow, that was, that was kind of intense. Here we have an outward picture of an inward reality in Jesus that we need to kind of communicate here. The the word purity is tied to the concept of defilement. So what is defilement? Well, they used it in the, the, so they talked about days that cause defilements or touching dead bodies cause defilement or not doing the rituals properly. That created defilement. What was the concept of defilement? Defilement was actually a natural picture of something that repels or grieves the Holy Spirit. 
Now, if that's what defilement is, and now it's being brought into the New Testament, and now it's talking about, well, if you're obedient to the truth, what happens? Instead of repelling the Holy Spirit, you're actually creating inside your own soul a place for the Holy Spirit to rest. The word purify here in this passage actually means to be cleansed from defilement. So if I relate to Jesus, what he's talking about here, in obedience, not not only does it open a channel of blessing, it does a work inside my soul to where I actually am welcoming the manifest presence and the goodness of God in every area of my life instead of pushing it away. And so my soul is in the proper alignment with God's nature, God's will. When I am in alignment to God's nature and God's will, I am the conduit of receiving the blessing of God. Now, can you be a believer, have the Holy Spirit reside in you, and yet by how you live, how you think, and how you relate, can you cut off the blessing of God in your life? Well, I think you can diminish it. I think ultimately, being redeemed, you receive the blessing. But I think you can diminish it by fighting and resisting the presence of God in your life. The next thing it says this. So, since you, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul for a sincere love. Now, the word sincere here, you guys would probably see it. It means that if I'm walking with Jesus and I'm responding to him, There's this interaction that happens with Jesus that you cannot get in any other relational dynamic. I can't get this from obeying the law. I have to get this from relating to Jesus. And so now the passage is going to tell you that if you relate to him who is truth, it purifies your soul. This thing actually happens. The word sincerity here means that your soul actually comes into a place where you don't have different motives as you're trying to love people. Jesus has the ability to change your motives to where they're proper before him because you're relating to him. Many of you ever had the great joy of of trying to get away with something and Jesus calls you on it? Have any of you ever had that excited? Well, that's relating to the truth here. When you relate to him as the truth, he literally purifies your motives. And so you're now, not only is your soul in a channel of receiving the blessing of God, you're, you're now actually have no motives that you have to second guess because Jesus is dealing with you on those motives. That's a good thing. And you guys think about it. If we're going to really talk about, well, what is the blessing of God. Well, we can't just point to outward things and say, well, the blessing of God is what the culture says. By the way, the culture only believes the blessing of God is to get everything that the culture has, but you have Jesus in the middle of it. That's not how God defines the blessing of God. Okay? It's okay for God to bless you outwardly, but if you're inwardly shriveling up and your soul is not prospering, you cannot define that as the full blessing that God wants to give you. Think about what's going to be going on in eternity. That's what God wants you to experience now. And so this is how God defines that idea of the blessing. So let's keep looking at the passage. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul with a sincere love for the brethren, it says, fervently love one another from the heart. So let's take the word fervently and then work through from the heart. Okay, so fervently, there, it could be understood. Some people understand this. Sometimes it's translated like to set something on fire. 
So this is where we get the idea of zeal. But that's not the word, the word fervently that's being translated here from the original language. It doesn't mean the burning of something. It actually means, you're going to enjoy this, to actually stretch something to its fullest potential so it reaches its highest maturity. So when it says that when we go through this process of obeying the Lord, our hearts become purified, and the purpose of that is the Holy Spirit is going to give us, this is the blessing of God, he's going to give us grace so that we can love people to the full measure of what they need to be loved like. Have you guys ever thought about this? Well, I can love people up to a certain point until they get on my nerves. Isn't that the measure of our love? Uh, Would you guys recognize that? So I'll, I'll love people up until the point they get on my nerves, and then I'm going to have a discussion with Jesus about how many times should I forgive my brethren, and he says, well, 70 times 7, and I usually translate to 5. He means only 5 times, and that's enough of that. But have you guys walked with the Lord where he actually gives you his love for a person that's beyond your ability? And because of it, you can actually be stretched, what's called stretched to maturity, to where you actually do it well. I have this incredible journey that happened to me, and I'm going to share it here to finish up with this. I had this opportunity to go to Cuba, and I went, and I went with a team that I had never done ministry with, and this is... Uh, when I was first starting to travel internationally. And I just thought, well, you can just put a team together in a day, and you don't have to get to know each other. And so I learned a lesson. I went on a trip with a bunch of people that I had never done ministry with, and we land in Cuba. We're in a communist nation. We're American, so they're harassing me the minute I go across into their nation. And our team starts arguing and fighting with each other. So we're not only having to deal with all these outward things, we're fighting amongst each other. And so every day it's getting worse and worse, and in fact, it's so bad that we won't even talk to each other after we get out of the meetings. We just go to where we're all staying, and we go hide ourselves until the next day when we have to show up. So can you imagine? We're telling a bunch of Cubans how much they should love each other while we despise each other and not get along. (laughs) You guys aren't like this, right? And so I'm glad this wasn't last week. This is a couple years ago, but I learned something about my own heart, and so I couldn't wait to get away from those people and get back to the United States. So I remember landing back in the Bahamas, and I never do this kind of stuff, but I was so grateful to be out of Cuba with that ministry team that I literally got on my knees when I got off the plane and kissed the ground. I mean, I had a whole bunch of dirt in my mouth after I got done with it. I was just so grateful. So, you guys ready? One of the main antagonizers, he's a brother that goes to this church that I go to, but you have to understand the church I went to had a couple thousand people in it, so I had never met him before that, even though I had gone to church with him for a decade. So now, I don't want to ever see him again. I just thought, well, that was a trial. I I, I found out how much character I have. It wasn't very uh, flattering. I hope I never run into that situation again. And I particularly did not want to see this person ever again. Well, how did Jesus resolve this? Everywhere I went, there he was. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Everywhere I went, there he was. I'd never seen him anywhere ever in my entire life, and now that I don't want to get along with him, who do you think I see? I go to the grocery store, there he is, so I have to go run down the other aisle. You're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. I, I go to this gym that I've been going to for five years, never seen him there. He's there now every day, and I'm actually going at different times of the day to make sure I don't run into him, and every time I go there, there he is. Hmm. 
Not only got so bad, he's making comments to me that made me want to slug him every time he talked to me. I just thought, this is not working. You guys ever have this? So how did Jesus purify my motives so I could actually love this person? Well, I kept coming to the Lord in prayer and asking the Lord to, you know, not hurt him, but flatten his tire so that I'd stop running into him. And the more I prayed that, it's like the Lord wouldn't respond. Could you imagine? And so now I'm really getting it. This is going on for weeks on end. I'm, I'm like, Lord, really, seriously. And then I started thinking, well, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to hibernate in my house until Jesus stops this. And then I realized, you know what? The way this is going, he's going to probably start appearing at my house. And so I just, I, one day I'm on my knees and I'm just kind of talking with the Lord about it. And I know you guys don't do this kind of stuff. I'm just sharing my weakness to you. So I'm telling the Lord one day how, I just ran into him again. We had this really bad exchange. I wanted to slug him. And I'm telling the Lord, you, you really have got to do something about this, right? Like, and to him. So I'm, I'm telling the Lord, my plan on what he should do. The Lord entered into my prayer time and had a conversation with me. Now, he didn't start by saying, well, Brian, you're wicked, and we ought to grow up. He, that probably should be how he answered, but he actually addressed it differently. He said, I want you to see him from my perspective, which I had never encountered before. So I'm like, well, what is your perspective? Now, this is how Jesus purifies you in love so that it comes out of your heart sincerely. When you have an offense towards a brother or you have an offense towards a person, you're not letting the love of God let you see it from his perspective. The love of God overcomes all this stuff. And so he started telling me this man has been broken. His father abused him. He's had a, and all of a sudden, I started getting behind the I got out of myself and saw it from a different perspective. And when I saw it, something broke inside of me of that unforgiveness, that judgmentalism, and that attitude that he needed to be actually dealt with in a severe way, and it was the love of God. When he did it, you guys ready? Something literally broke off of me. And now I have the love of God in me, and so now I'm, I'm still running into him, but now instead of wanting him to hit him with a two-by-four, I'm coming to him and actually wanting to start ministering to him and love him. And then, wouldn't you know it, the trial or the test or whatever it was, was gone. Now, I, now I'm not ever seeing him again. But the point was that God wanted to show me that really by engaging him, he could purify any of those things inside of me so that this is the blessing of God, that the love of God could flow through me so that I can love people the way he wants them to be loved. Now, as you guys move forward in the idea of the blessing of God, don't miss the big picture. It's not just what you put your hands to. It's how the love of God flows through you is the defining mark of the purity of obedience and the blessing of God on your life. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that obedience is required of us. And there's a reason. And I just want to bless you for your goodness, how you actually can take us and purify us, make us whole, and have an ability to stretch us to love people well. And for each person in here, wherever they're at, in their journey right now with other believers or people in their life, anywhere where we think it's okay to just 
not like a group of people. Would you change us by the power of your presence? Let obedience become a fruit of walking with you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so we're going to do this real quick. I have a couple of minutes. Ready? If you're having weakness in your lungs, problems breathing, that's kind of funny. Would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. If you have pain in your wrist, uh, pain in your wrist, and it was, I saw specifically the left one, but I know this is either left or right. If you have pain in your wrist, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. And just, just extend your hands out, receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come right now, release your healing power and presence over their bodies. And we come into agreement as your children. We break the power of infirmity. We command it to come off of them. And we ask, Lord, that you would restore their bodies right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless you for your goodness, Lord. In your name, amen. Um, Real quick, what's your name, ma'am? Gloria? Would you stand for a minute, Gloria, please? So during worship, I, I saw the Lord walk towards you. And Go ahead, stand. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to just share this with you. Um, he was drawing near to you, and he was saying that the season of weariness and feeling like a lot of things have been against you is being broken off your life, and you're going to find a refreshing that's going to come from him to you that's going to actually awaken you in the goodness of his love towards you. Do you have a daughter? Okay, you lost her. Okay. All right, so um, I was going to tell you something, but I must not have heard correctly, so let me finish the prayer. So, Father, I just thank you. I ask that you would bless your daughter, strengthen her by the power of your might. And I thank you for your goodness. Now, this season of strengthening that, uh, that she needs to have happen, I ask that you would come. Oh, I get it. And the thing about your daughter, the Lord, now I get what it was. Um, he told me that he's going to bring joy over that situation. So instead of feeling like it's all gone and depressed, the joy of the Lord's going to come over that situation for you. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd release that to her right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. All right, let me finish up by just praying a blessing. Lord, bless your people. Um, as we come to the next part we're going to do this evening, let your blessing come. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Bless you guys.